0: Welcome back to the Spinner Rack here at the Marvel New Universe Comics Podcast. We're your hosts. Steven with Justice number 11. And Andy with DP7 number 11. Insert 7-11 joke here. I know you want to do it. <laughs> uh, I've been up all night trying to read this comic.
1: It's available
0: anytime, day or night. Something something roller dog. Okay. <laughs> I've known people who like those things and it terrifies me. I don't think I could be good friends with someone who eats. 7 Eleven is actually all
1: over um some countries in Asia. It's like they you can get a full meal there. It's yeah. It, kind of like it was a, a, a golden corral, it
0: yeah, it was a go-to in uh when I went to Tokyo, like to stop there and get like Inari and like basic things that I knew what they were and could eat them. <laughs> it was kind of cool. It's well labeled, yeah. That's that's helpful. Yeah. So yeah, Seven Eleven better in other countries. <laughs> Cleaner, as far as I've experienced, as well. I didn't fear for my life once. Yeah. <laughs> Which is different than the DP Seven experience of fearing for your life most of the time.
1: <laughs> well, anyway,
0: podcast. Uh, what, what are we doing? Okay. <laughs> Back at it. Seven Eleven joke complete. Um, So the new universe, uh, so it started in 1986. Our new universe was an imprint from Marvel Comics that was dedicated to a more grounded and less fantastic approach to comics and world building. The idea was the world outside your window. With real-time progress and reasonably realistic technology, physics, astronomy, and biology, uh, eight new comic series launched in one month. Uh, set in our world in 1986. And now as the stories progressed in 1987, the world in the comics still largely doesn't know about paranormals, except for a few secret agencies. Um, and so with our podcast, you can follow along with us each week, recommended, recommended, Uh, as we go through each comic in the order they hit the spinner rack or check out individual comics if you already have a favorite or just listen to our recap episodes for the bare minimum experience (laughs) Um, we have a website kickersinc.com on there you can find all of our fun giveaways like the uh, currently still running super sleuth sweepstakes and the phantom new sweepstakes that we keep mentioning for some reason Uh, but hey this will be up for a while it'll show up eventually Uh, we're also running a slogan contest so new universe slogan as we talk about that which is in universe news we have a twitter at kickers inc and if you're still looking for more new universe fun check out the marvel comics new universe fans fan page on facebook which we frequent but do not run where can I find more new universe content? <laughs> hmm. Almost nowhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Random blogs that people wrote and then gave up on 20 years ago. Geocities right. template or something.
0: Some rehashed uh, news article from the web about why it was not, not a success or something.
1: Uh, I'll never forgive you, AV club. You, uh... <laughs> Anyway. This week, I'll be covering Justice. Tenson is a fish out of water, possibly an exiled alien policeman, possibly just a crazy person, fighting drug-dealing street punks and dark wizards from his home dimension. He wields the sword and shield of Justice as he brings his black-and-white fight against evil to our morally gray world. This week, Justice number 11, Justice is Dying! But will even the valiant self-sacrifice of his wizard friend be enough to revive him before the evil forces of the Winterland attack? Written by Jerry Conway, penciled by Keith Giffen, and inked by Vince Coletta. (laughs)
0: The number one inker of the new universe, Vince Coletta.
1: Justice 11, a magician holds the power of life or death over justice. Not just sounds like he's doing a card trick or something.
0: <laughs> really pull justice out of a hat. So yeah, and so uh, in the second half, I'll be covering DP seven, uh, which is seven random people. Once ordinary and average, begin to display powers extraordinary and paranormal in the wake of the white event, uncertain how to use or even live with their new abilities and their family's reactions lives are upended by the clinic they went to for help, which now hunts them in a bid to control them. Together, but not the same, there are seven displaced paranormals on the run, or as we call them, DP7. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so this week, the solicits for DP711, uh, Hackbarth, the regulator, decrees that DP7 Stephanie must die. <laughs> Meanwhile, the only free member of the DP-7, David Landers, meets the uncanny ES people. Are they friends or foes? Haven, written by Grunewald, Ryan, and Tangle. Oof, I love Hackbarth the Regulator. That's a great name.
1: It really <laughs> makes him sound more like a robot than he is. but
0: Yeah, unleash Hackbarth the Regulator!
1: Hackbarth has been activated.
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, fan fiction started. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, the short version of that was uh, on the run from the clinic, Dave stumbles onto the ES people. Are they friends or foes? Question mark. Um, And there's there's also some discussions to be had. There's a letters page on DP7. Uh, They're starting to see some mentions in the back of the comic about uh, people leaving And book cancellations. So we're starting to get hints that uh, maybe not everything is rosy in the practical publishing world of the new universe at this point as readers.
1: What? We've been reading these books for 11 issues. Surely they're going to go forever, right? (laughs) Surely.
0: What could go wrong?
1: Poor naive young Stephen actually thought something like that, I guess. But at some point, Yeah. yeah.
0: I mean, it's become pretty much a rule now, though. Every book I enjoy gets canceled or rebooted. So <laughs> I remember um, Sandman, like
1: Neil Gaiman writing, you know, I thought this would, you know, we just throw it out there. Like we, we'd, we'd start getting the sales figures back and it'll be canceled, like n- number six, number eight, you know. And so, yeah, I guess, you know. Some people go in with like a, a little more fatalistic attitude.
0: but Yeah, I think Walking Dead kind of has a similar story, maybe too, kind of uh, being real tenuous at first. But. Nice. All right, let's jump on in to Justice number
1: 11, which uh, has a nice uh, cover um, credited to Grindberg and Rubenstein of Justice sort of on his knees um, with his hands uplifted and uh, behind him his wizard friend, I think. Um, well, I mean, as the story goes, but I'm not sure I'd re- I would have recognized him like off off the top of my head from his previous appearances.
0: Mm. Yeah, he looks a little different. He's got that like Merlin skullcap kind of thing going on, which I'm pretty sure Webstrel had. Yeah, yeah. But uh, we'll get
1: into his appearance a little bit more. He's... Uh, so he's sort of, um, you know, doing some gestures with his hands. And Justice, you can't quite tell whether he's being helped or hurt by this, I think, from his expression. He looks like to be in pretty bad shape, honestly. Um, the logo is in yellow. New Universe logo is in yellow this month. Um we keeping count? No. We are not. <laughs> Heading inside, we have the title Desert Resurrection. Ah, that's <laughs> delicious. No, wait. Desert Resurrection. As you'll remember last issue, uh, Justice was left in the middle of a, we think, American Southwest desert, although he couldn't tell you where exactly it was, and uh, we, we don't really find out details this time either.
0: Would dessert resurrection be like when George Costanza ate the donut out of the trash can kind of thing? right he's come back from the grave?
1: <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yes. Hmm. Justice would never do
0: something like that. No. Unless it was uh, a black and white cookie. He's like, I can get behind this black and white cookie. <laughs> he's,
1: he's he's looking at it's aura. He's like, ah, oh, you're still good. <laughs> Five second rule. Um <laughs> As I said, uh, the writer, Jerry Conway, Keith Giffen, Pencils, Vince Colletta on X, and uh, Howard Mackey is the editor, and Jim Shooter, editor-in-chief, as we'll get to later. Um, we start off with, and uh, we'll be seeing a lot of, narration boxes, which I know Andy is a big fan of. Uh, so, two thumbs up for narration boxes. This is a great, uh, it's almost a monologue of Justice throughout this whole issue, Um, just, just a lot of internal monologuing and, uh, pretty good. Um, starts off. If the town has a name, I do not know it. All I seek is a haven from the desert sun. All I want is a place to rest. I am justice (laughs) and I need a place to heal. So it's a, um, just an outdoor, like, back alley, and you just see, like, a small shadow of uh, Justice as he's kind of limping towards a Casa Maison? Um,
0: mm, some kind of restaurant, perhaps?
1: So Yeah, we it's like a, a little... A- it, it, as we go on, it's, it, you know, you think uh hospital, or is he trying to, uh, just a hotel, or what? And then, yeah. So he... It opens uh, inside. We get the um, first of uh story page. And he continues. My wounds burn with the memory of sunfire. Every step is an agony. But I continue in spite of the pain or pre- perhaps because of it. I remember my friend Webstraw's last words to me. You are life's only hope now, Tenson. Ouch. Henson is wandering through into this like real rundown desert town looking like crap and he's um, kind of like shuffling half alive basically. But, uh, these memories of his friend telling him, if you fail, if you die, winter will have won the final battle and spring will never return. So um, things not going well on the uh, home dimension front.
0: Um, no. Should we micro recap where we left him last issue? Yeah. Or is I, that sort of covered in this issue already? Yeah. I was, I was like, hmm, we do talk
1: about it, but to, to micro recap, Justice was sort of plucked out of New York City um, magically and sent to kind of an arena uh, in the desert Southwest to fight a character called Black Justice who is a evil version of himself, basically. And he was taunted repeatedly with um, information about his uh, friend Becky, who they had kidnapped, and what they were doing to the Springlands. And until Justice um, got so upset that he broke the first rule of being a Justice Warrior, which is to never judge in anger. And he he judged that dude pretty <laughs> angrily into lots <laughs> of small judged pieces. Yikes! Yeah, we've never seen him like just rip a person apart before. Well, person is kind of a strong term for Black justice, but anyway. Um, so yeah, I, that was he was um, beaten, but not dead. And Becky pops in to just kind of spit on him and run and go. Um, so everything is was looking pretty badly because he knew he had done, broken this commandment but he didn't I think realize just how um, the winter people were using this. they had to, like a huge machine that would like suck his bleak corruption energy and funnel it to their purposes and apparently he produces a lot of it. Because by taunting him and, and getting him to do that, um, it was enough to, to energize their whole uh, war campaign. Um, so Justice was just like, I don't know, alone in the desert when we left him. And I'm not... So he's saying it's... Uh, say it's been a couple of days yet.
0: But we get some flashbacks through the story, so there's definitely a disconnect between the end of the last one and now. And but then it flashes back throughout this book to uh, to fill in the gaps for because now he's mentioning Webstrel, which we haven't seen yet. So, but we yeah, will. actually, it's it's a good kind of a mystery because
1: it would be possible for him to just be sort of limping into town after that battle. But now you get the feeling that something has happened in between there. Yeah where we didn't see so so where does it go so he he's still uh uh looking for shelter he's like oh there's a building i'll uh go sleep in there and the next page open the like the top panel is just this like demonic eyes looking at you from close up and pulls back to a medium shot and we see it There are two hounds as we, we were talking about in the last issue because it was Giffen doing the the art that it looked seedier and like more mutated than it ever had before. And yeah, these hounds aren't just like dog-faced guys. They are, I don't know what to... <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, they were a little more like 1970s Wolfman movie in the early on. Like they didn't look too scary. I mean, they're monstrous, but not like terrifying. But yeah, with Giffen art, they're a lot more like, you know, evil goblins, kind of like definitely look more menacing. I'll take that. Yeah, evil goblins.
1: So they are. There's a two of them, and they're here on Earth. Smell him. Smell the Justice Warrior. The Master will be pleased. We found him so quickly. And inside, we see um, Justice, and he's. Just holding a phone and talk, t- saying to himself, Who should I call? Who can help me now? My friend Arnie in New York?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: the attorney Danielle, who tried to defend me against a murder charge? She's kind of an agent of the evil people, but she is yeah. cute. <laughs> and pros and cons there. Tencent is down two girlfriends at this point. So, you know. He's uh he's gonna be lonely. Anyway, how can they aid me when my world has been destroyed? Well, you know, make a good case for calling, telling the girls that because they they always like to hear that. Danielle, since I saw you, my whole world's been destroyed. <laughs> I need you back, baby.
0: Oh, justice! Uh-huh. You're so dramatic. <laughs> what do you need uh-huh. money again? <laughs> <laughs>
1: This this is like a musician. And just, My like, Venmo account girlfriend. has been destroyed. Anyway, back he is looks um, uh, across like behind the landlord or whatever, an old man who's there, um, who's building it is, and he sees these uh, hounds outside, and um, yeah, he's quite aware that they're there to kill him. Or as black as death, the hounds of winter, and they—they uh, they tell him um, they come from Lord Damon. So, Justice sho- shoves this old man out the side door. What? Run, old man! And goes—he uh, goes straight to the hounds himself because he—he thinks the old guy isn't going to have much of a chance if uh, he doesn't uh, hit them. They're my death, old man. They'll be your death, too, if you don't run. And so without waiting, he attacks first. It's our justice. And we get a page of some serious fist-crunching action as
0: he's
1: he, <laughs> uh, like, the sword in, in my right hand is still too unreliable, but a justice warrior is trained in many skills. And I, yeah, there's just this panel of him beating uh, it, it doesn't even really show the hound it's just his fist <laughs> all over the place
0: yeah I'm trying to remember what it is it's like maybe like fist of the north star like the weird anime there's a lot of like fighting scenes where like super fast flurry of punches and then like they'll see the character with like tons and tons of uh like a, imprints on them kind of thing, or or maybe like a oh, Street nice. Fighter e Honda thing. He's got this hand slap where everything's just moving in like a blur. So mm, definitely okay. some cool fists of fury sort of uh punching action. There you go. So he uh he delays them with
1: that and then he does the old action movie crash through a nearby window move and uh is thinking that the old man will be safe because these hounds will chase him. So he's running down another alley. um, And he's, uh, you see the hounds in the distance. And next to them are some oil cans. And as all of us who played early Resident Evil games know, it just takes one (laughs) little spark
0: to get oil cans
1: to explode and kill people.
0: (laughs) Oh, come on. Yeah, that is like the ultimate video game trope, right? The exploding barrel. Usually red, not always, but. Yeah. He's, uh says
1: the drums read, Oil, danger. Oil is something I've learned about since I began my exile on this strange, unhealthy world. The hounds have learned nothing. He hits that with the sword and blows them up. And uh, in the final panel, you just see like uh, hound skeletons on the smoking cr- uh, crater there. Their ignorance demands a heavy price. And then the heat from the explosion triggers his memory. And we start in on this flashback and uh, it's been going for a few pages here. You actually get in terms of panels per page, it's like three, uh, you know, widescreen panels on each page. And it's a very uh, consistent through most of this issue. So it has that, uh, wide open feeling to it you get from that, uh, that look. So he is back and says it was two days ago that he was waiting for death to claim him. And he was wandering around in this desert. And he talks, this is where he starts flashing or describing the even earlier events we saw in the previous issue. Black justice had died at my hand. And the rage which fired my sword had condemned me as well. Of all the commandments we are sworn to obey, the greatest is this. Love your neighbor. Oh, and a justice warrior <laughs> must never judge in anger. Um, I'm not quite sure of the theology of the Springlands, so I'll just...
0: Yeah, and that's kind of a new thing from these last couple issues, too. That wasn't something that he kind of focused on. Yeah,
1: they had talked about corruption for a while, but the specific thing of not judging in anger was new. Um, Now I'm tempted to go back into older issues and see, like, is he always not angry? I don't know. He doesn't usually seem angry. He's pretty, like calm and yeah collected whenever he does this once or twice he's just been super gritty like the man yeah. but um so yeah he says he broke that command when he slew black justice my corruption was complete my destiny was doom and then as he's wandering around the desert he says he saw a vision and he, he is saying out loud webstro webstro And he's thinking that it could only be a mirage because why would Webstraw be here instead of uh, the Springlands on the far side? And yet, and there's Webstraw, I guess. At first, he's kind of at a distance and he's just talking. Spring has fallen, Tenson. The justice warriors are dead. Our people are enslaved. I have journeyed far to find you. For you were the agent of spring's destruction, and only you may help her arise anew. And we get a close up of Websterall in the bottom panel, and much like the cover, he he looks uh, his left hand, left side uh, just looks tired and old. His right side looks like a skull.
0: Yeah, it's like melted, like uh, Batman animated Two Face kind of thing, where you yeah. his teeth even though his mouth is closed, kind of grossness. Oh. Okay, yeah, yeah.
1: It's uh word half dead comes to mind. So, uh, yeah, I think that's pretty out. accurate. <laughs> Tenson snaps out of the flashback and he still doesn't, he's still wandering around the Southwest town. We see him in another back alley and you know, is uh sometimes uh you get some more graffiti and I know it like made some sense sometimes in Griff in Keith Giffen's drawings that you can read useful words in the graffiti. Um, but I'm not getting anything this time. Rosa, well that's just a name.
0: Yeah, I think maybe nomad or something like that gets repeated a few times later on, but um uh... I'll be looking out for that one in the next issue to see if something shows up, like little boo boo or whatever it was in the other one. Right, right. To be determined. <sighs> TBD. Uh, so we as
1: he's wandering around looking for a place to rest and heal up, still, um, we see a couple of cops in a car looking, checking him out. Yo, Carson! Looks like we got us another drifter. <sighs> <laughs> <laughs> At least he's not. Mexican American um, code word. <laughs> I, well, I mean, I don't know. The cops the, the a little is, racist. Yeah, I'm not. I'm going to keep that clean rating. You've got, um, you've got a uh, couple of you know, bored cops sitting here, like, eh, let's go give them a hard time. Nothing else to do. And uh, Tensin's senses them, but he sees by their auras that they have no justice in their hearts. Tenson's judged people for less, dude, better back (laughs) off. So they say, uh, we've got a law against vagrants. You want to come along and uh, unless you want to resist and, you know, it's been a slow day, so go for it. Um, He just takes off running in the other direction. And he says that they are corrupted by anger like so many in this world. Corrupted as I was corrupted. And they are um, just chasing him on foot. And uh, he talks about, I feel the power in my left hand. It is stronger now since Webstraw's sacrifice. But I dare use it. I have no choice. He kicks his left hand and fires his shield. It would just to kind of push back and trip these guys up. And he says maybe they'll think twice before bull- bullying the apparently helpless. Maybe. He comes across a truck, um, sort of a large cargo truck and climbs in the back where there's just um, sacks of fertilizer or something. And he's talking thinking to himself as he get, does all this I feel no anger towards these policemen because I understand the helpless fury they carry within. And I felt that same fury when I fought back black justice, black justice told me things I did not want to hear about the woman I loved and lost through my weakness. And in my rage, I struck him down with my righteous sword. And in that moment, my corruption was made complete. And then he thinks back again to Webstrawl, who had nursed him back to health out in the desert. And it's like Starry Night, and they're talking. And Webstroll is telling them how, uh,
0: telling Justice how, how things have been going in the Springlands. Uh, it's almost a romantic scene if they, you know, <laughs> wasn't half dead and their homeland totally destroyed. Oh, yeah. Our night under the stars together in the desert. Oh,
1: Webstraw. We never spend time together anymore. Why is
0: that? Time? Gazing into his one missing eye socket. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh,
0: He talks about a horde of dark
1: warriors from the winterland armed with a black power your warriors could not resist. Webstrawl, tell me this is a dream. Tell me spring still lives. Ah, that I could, Tenson. But our land is no more. The black power of corruption has spread its pall over our fields. The old life we knew is at an end. The black power, where did it come from? From you, Tenson. The corruption came from you. Ouch. No! And he just says, talks about how Webstrawl was the one who had told him that life on earth had corrupted him. But he couldn't believe that that corruption somehow destroyed their homeland. And Webstrol in his little hocus pocus, and, um, starts to show him like a vision of what, what happened. But he starts telling him as well, Your corruption began the night you betrayed our king by seducing his queen. long time before you came to Earth now there, wasn't it, Justice? Ouch. Um, (laughs) Laying it down on the guy. Kicking a guy when he's down. Look, just because you're half-dead doesn't give you license to. Well, it continued when, during your exile in this madhouse of a world, you absorbed and became part of the moral insanity around you. I like that, like, no matter how insane their world is, they're like, ew. (laughs) <laughs> this place is worst about um, ours, but anyway. And uh, he says, through all of this, um, you know, journey of the tension has been on. Unknown to you, Lord Damon, uh, conquest of the Winterland, fueled a great machine with the spore of your moral decay, Ooh. and the machine transformed the. Dark energy of your personal corruption into a black power sufficient to destroy the defenses of Spring. Observe the consequences of your deeds. And um, this splash page of—I um, think this is just him starting up the spell that he's showing Tencent, or is this the uh, uh, explosions of the war in the in the winter springland? I couldn't honestly say one way or the other.
0: Most of them kind of look like they could be visions of like what's going on right now. Like everything's burnt to a crisp and, you know, they're marching people away as slaves. And
1: Yeah, page 15, we really, yeah, that's on, that's definitely the winterland being taken over. 14, I'm less sure if that's like the vision or just like him sh- starting to show the vision. You know what I mean? Right. So yeah he's uh he gets to see these like um i don't know they're they're warped um, sort of fascist uh looking um, military um, and and like the winter people are <laughs> look like you know they they're being taken somewhere it says they they were people of spring enslaved by the demon hordes of winter spirits crushed by a great weight of darkness and he says he sees his king and you just have a a silhouette of a head on a spike yikes and I see my queen and uh yeah apparently Damon's um threats from last issue are already like in progress because she's like naked in a holding cell somewhere um in a, you know, demure pose, but, uh, still it's like enough to drive Tenson over the edge here again. And, uh, more images. He sees Damon, uh, Lord Damon walking around happy as a clam, <laughs> the new torturing devi- devices that have been installed. And he sees next to him, uh, Becky, his old second love, Uh, Her face is familiar to me, but her expression of hate is not. Rebecca, my love, how has he changed you? Now you too are corrupt. And now at last the spell begins to fade, but one more image absorbs the rest. And you see just a shadow laughing over a pile of bones. I know that laugh. I know that face concealed in darkness. Dad, ruler (laughs) of winter. Father of Damon has come to crush the life from spring. Now they're back in the desert with Webstraw. You see how it is, Tenson. I barely escaped with my life. I fled to this world hoping to find you. And I have. Why? To torment me with guilt? No. To offer you a chance for salvation. Justice is... Back in the back of the truck where he's been thinking about this, he then it has stopped and he steps off into the night and he's feeling a little stronger and looks around where he is still looks pretty grungy. um. But he sees a newspaper and realizes it's Los Angeles and remembers that that's where he was when he first confronted Damon conquest in a strange way. I feel as if I've come home. Hmm, okay. And one more memory of Webstroll. You are the last of the justice warriors, Tenson. You hold the fate of life itself in your hands. Now he's conquered spring. Damon will turn his attention to this earth, and it is here you must destroy him. But first you must be cleansed of your corruption. It will require a great sacrifice. I will make any sacrifice, Webstroll. And Webstroll continues. I fear you do not understand, my dear young friend. The sacrifice is not yours to make. It is mine. And Webstraw, it's a very interesting bit of art where it's just like color shadows of the two characters. And but and Webstraw's hands and you know, energy coming out of him and purifying Tenson. But yeah. Webstraw's gonna die and the hope <laughs> of re
0: It's both kind of cool looking and almost and looks like a second grader made it <laughs> but at the same time. Like it's a weird combo.
1: Uh, I remember like the challenge of the super friends They would sometimes be up against like an energy beast or something that it'd be that same sort of just blocks of color, I don't know.
0: Flashing um, on the screen.
1: But yeah, he t- just Tenson talks about um, his light burns through him and sears the shadows from his soul. You are life's only hope now, Tenson. If you fail, if you die, then winter will have won the final battle and spring will never return. And when he, he says when he could see again, Webstrawl was gone. He gave his life that spring might live anew. And then... Justice is back uh, sort of focusing on, on the world around him, and there's two uh, punks. Hey, man, spare change. Yeah, the, oh, there's Nomad or Omad. Okay. Um, and he does his um, scan, two men with hearts as black as night, Though they wear different armor. They are dark warriors of winter all the same, even if they themselves do not know it yet. And at this point, we've got um, the two guys coming closer. And um, Justice keeps thinking to himself. Um, the, guy, the guys are like starting to be more threatening. Hey, look, guy looks weird, Mikey. Let's stick him. Yeah, give you a chance, man. Should have been nice. Give us your money now. or We got to. And good old Justice, I strike without anger or hesitation. My sword is swift. And, yeah, those two guys did not pick on the right uh, out-of-towner there.
0: Yeah, my notes were, Justice is back to his old self, comma, vaporizes some wasteoids.
1: <laughs> and, I mean, the last three or four pages have all been, like, uh, two panels where, like, one small upper panel and then the two-third of a page splash. And now this is finally, final page, single page, you know, splash page and just as looking, you know, fully back for I am whole, I am justice. And at long last, my day has come. Next issue, new beginnings.
0: Yeah. So issue 11, this was fun. And, uh, you know, one of the things I, I noticed about it, which, which I liked was, um you know ever since the beginning like they kind of made a big deal about the auras right and he's got the sword he can vaporize things he's got the force field that he can kind of project and you know occasionally bash cops with (laughs) Uh, but the auras were always kind of interesting and lately he's been always mentioning that the auras are black like evil is black black soul kind of thing um but in the reflection we see when he's scanning those Wastoid guys, like it's still that green classic green aura from the beginning of the comic. Right. So um, maybe that blackness is new or maybe not, but uh I, I like the, the color at least still kind of matches to the evil guys were always green. And uh, in the beginning when they first met the hounds the hounds didn't have any aura and that was kind of weird and it threw him off and maybe also like his powers didn't work on them so he had to just kind of punch them um but in my head which I think works is like maybe now like that's then powered up by that corrupt aura right so that's why oh. now the hounds are kind of super hounds with that black corrupt goodness oh, okay
1: right, I like that yeah
0: okay I mean it could be just a mistake but it works for me. <sighs>
1: I think I've said before, I'm always thinking, did, did these guys just goof this? Did they not read the previous issue? Uh, so, you know, when things actually make sense that you don't, but even if you can't tell it at first, that's nice. Yeah. Okay. I like that. Uh, I mean, they do
0: look like super hounds. I mean, yeesh. Right. Though <laughs> no, I think that's mostly just a different artistic choice. But uh, yeah, the um, it's good.
1: Yeah, the, the aura reading is always, I mean, it's not the first thing I remember about justice, but you know reading through it, it it's really like part of the the core of why he's like still a moral character, even though his body count is surpassed Mark Hazards at
0: this point, you know. Right, yeah, I and mean, it's just that simple, right? Like he doesn't have to figure out the crime; he doesn't have to have proof. I mean, the proof is just in the aura. If it's bad, it's not getting any better. Which would be <sighs> interesting then, for like if there's a future showdown with Becky, who is just as evil and corrupt. Like, does he try to bring her back somehow, or is it just binary decision? It's a good question. Yeah.
1: Um, so I don't know, yeah, like salvation and redemption have, you know, as I say, the theology of the springlands is uh, open to debate, so whether you can um save the lost or not, I don't know
0: yeah, it's a good it's a good question.
1: um yeah, this is, I mean, to me it's interesting in it's the 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 larger picture of justice's purpose and, I mean, to, to you know, if if Justice just went back to his home world and fought these wizards there, I mean, it would be a pretty unsatisfying book from our point of view, right? I mean, right. The, um, so I, I was really realizing uh, an issue or two ago that, you know, if you want to get him stuck on Earth permanently, you either have to destroy his home dimension or, or, Cut off, you know, just be like, there's no way back for you, you know. Right. Um, all the wizards are dead or something, and the magic's dying. I don't know. Um this so this way, this sort of thing with um Damon and Dad, Dad. winning the war, and then they're looking to Earth. Now that really does add something to the sense of, you know, danger for justice that I like as well. It's not just like, Oh, you know, uh, he-man and Skeletor are fighting again. Okay. Whatever. Oh, Skeletor is about to come to earth next. Oh, um, okay.
0: Let's, uh, let's yeah. work on that. Well, they don't have to fill, uh, you know, 30 episodes a season. <laughs> we still want to sell Skeletor toys. You can't kill him. <laughs> quit, uh, quit using
1: your sword there. Justice. Uh, we, uh, you fried every other character in this dimension. Um <laughs> so I do yeah. I like that story direction um and Webstrall we think... who has been like frustrating um you know not very um involved in the story just sort of a, an observer all this time. It's nice to see him making that like uh, leap to being um to energizing justice and doing what he can for, for for his homeland and all that.
0: Yeah, That's- I feel like maybe uh, memories are hazy, but it might have even been last Justice podcast where I or one of us was like, where is this guy? Where is Westbrook? What has he ever done other than spy on Justice and maybe chat a little bit? Like, what is, in fact, his wizard powers, right? He doesn't do anything. Uh, at least he finally did something. Yeah. He's dead. But-
1: so, yeah, I... It was like they talked to him when Justice went back and he seemed very uh, like, oh, yeah, other world. That makes sense. Sure. Okay. Yeah. No, uh, morally gray. Yeah. You better watch out for corruption and all that. Very blase about all this dimensional travel and stuff. So. I guess he uh, paid the price for that lack of interest. Yeah. He, I mean, yeah, the whole uh, other place, you know, it's like a nice goal for justice but you know that's that's from our point of view that's really the only purpose it serves um but yeah they make a really effective description of it here as like destroyed enslaved just you know beaten into submission and it's real you know everyone you'd see, saw in those previous you know happy books are now like the Paying the right. price and just as blaming himself, whether he, you know, he's not the one who made this machine to suck his dark energy out of him. But anyway, no.
0: ah, yeah, I think there was there was like a modern I'm trying to remember which Christ, which book it was, maybe like Grant Morrison's Final Crisis or something where they you know basically like take over dark side and apocalypse kind of basically takes over either earth or you know all of metropolis or something everything gets really dark and ruined and like it's definitely given off that kind of vibe uh, we didn't ever see much of the Springlands, but i'm guessing we never will it didn't that make it this right
1: yeah i remember yeah my i think morrison's um one of my favorite ones was the jla uh, there was a series of um issues where it was like dark side wins like in the future and they have to come back to fight that or something and so you had this vision of earth as as dominated by dark side and yeah it was just like this <laughs> terrible um but yeah anyway um justice yeah it's, I mean giffen was a great uh, get for this book i I don't think he'll be on much longer but if ever if at all but uh, I've really enjoyed these issues he's been in so
0: yeah it feels like it's been longer I think because we're reading it basically once a month right because he was on 9 10 and now 11 with Jerry Conway and then we had that justice-themed issue of Nightmask that kind of made it even feel like more. Um, oh, right, right. But yeah, it's, it's been a great group, the two of them. I've done justice to justice. Ooh, lame.
1: <laughs> All right, clever boots.
0: Uh, yeah, I don't know. Next issue,
1: New Beginnings. Wouldn't you start New Beginnings at issue 13? Why would you just do this at 11? Okay, I don't know.
0: We'll see what he does. Like new, you know. Seems like we're ready for vengeance, not new beginnings. <laughs> Time to mop
1: up the town there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Los Angeles. Okay, that's a good, fine base of. You know, as we said before, enough of the New York uh, stuff. We get enough of that in the regular Marvel. U. Um, we should chat sometime about the, like the different locations in in the new universe. Like which one. Is there a city that would be a good like if you could get all these guys together at some point?
0: Yeah, I mean, probably the deserts of Afghanistan. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Kabul is not. I would take. Uh, well, I don't know. Wasn't wasn't my idea. It was Edmund Roth. I don't know. <laughs> must...
0: Edmund Roth kidnaps everyone. <laughs>
1: anyway, ah, uh, let's see. I. You know, the first couple of times I read this, I was going to give it an A minus, but I'm feeling pretty good about it now. It's a pretty strong uh, out of three. So I'll give this one an A.
0: I was going to, yeah, my plan was A as well. Um, Sometimes that kind of morphs as I reread them and repodcast and such. But uh, I think I'm also feeling a high and like a boost back up in ratings after uh, the Previous two issues we covered were kind of bummers. Not of Justice, but, you know, Mark, Mark, Mark Hazard and Kickers were a little weak last week. Uh, so it goes. Yeah, you know, it'll,
1: I mean, you know, these books have a long life ahead of them. And, you know, a few ups and downs along the way, a couple of bumps here and there. <laughs> we're not going to remember that in the long run.
0: Yeah, we'll be on like the kickers are the New York Smashers are on their fifth season headed towards another Super Bowl.
1: <laughs> Woo!
0: Yeah. Coach Kirby's retired after winning it all. And <laughs> lots of stories left to go. <laughs> it's a whole new world outside our window, my man. <laughs> well, we we shall see, I suppose. Uh, but yeah, so for now, I guess let's take a break and then uh Kick back into DP 711 after the music. Awesome. All right. See you then. Okay, hey, welcome back for DP seven eleven time. Fun secret: we took like a three day break. <laughs> what, what were we talking about before? I like uh, Star Brand, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, I'll start in on Justice now. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> double Justice, like when the comic books printed with the wrong cover or something. I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't think I have any errors in the collection, but maybe I do.
1: Do you have, like, a weird ad in the middle of your copy of this issue?
0: Uh, not any weirder than usual.
1: Like, I, where that um, TSR thing is, I've got something that's actually a ad for uh,
0: rings. Oh, you got the Mark Jewelers version. Yeah. Yeah. It's but a I little f- f- fancy. I don't know. I think the, deal, like, collectors love those things because you get, you know, it's you could have the newsstand edition with the barcode and then somebody at some point decided like, Hey, I want the barcode one. Maybe it's rarer or rarer to find it a clean version. But I think the, I, or at least the original idea was if it has that insert, then it was sold on like military bases or something like that. Ooh, interesting. And so like those versions are rarer. It does have a barcode. I don't know. Yeah. So yeah. Military base would be, You might have a rare copy of dp7 number 11 that still nobody wants
1: (laughs) (laughs) i hate to say it but i'm sure i got it where i got all the others um no i think like i it was just a, a pack of you know the full run or something
0: oh okay yeah so who knows where that was gathered from yeah well anyway uh let's learn about some es people all right they're people too the es people but yeah, so
1: I should have made up a theme
0: song for them. ES people, they're made out of people. I, don't know. I mean, that's a little soiling greenish. <laughs> yeah, email us your song about the ES people and then uh, <laughs> New Universe Podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> that would be amazing if someone actually did a little Casio keyboard track behind it. But okay, DP7 is long and has a lot of words. So. Uh, I should probably kick into it. Uh, So yeah, issue 11, dated on the cover September 87, uh, just like Justice, and actually came out June 87. And a quick recap, if if you don't recall, um, the DP7 crew of Seven is still a little bit divided. So uh, Mastodon had escaped the Hunter's initial round Uh, And in fact, again, escaped them, but was rescued by the woodsman, uh, just a really outdoorsy survival kind of guy with a cool dog who lives in the woods of Wisconsin. Seems like a nice guy. though. Um, So (laughs) David's with them. The rest of the gang are all captured and basically being kind of conditioned by Hackbarth and Speck and Sharon to, you know, be more, um, I don't know malleable like ultimately we don't exactly know the clinics clinics goals other other than um they kind of want to be able to control and use the paranormals for their own aims
1: yeah we couldn't
0: i'm not sure if they're like just
1: keeping them trapped in a dream state so that they don't even realize they're prisoners or that there's some yeah they're maybe they did refer to like something that they're directing them to like be more Easily controlled outside the dream, so when they they'll let them wake up at some point when they're sure that they can
0: keep right. them from running off or wanting to leave or something. Yeah, yeah. we kind of artificially become loyal or something. Yeah, uh, but yeah. So the the ad for this and the cover features the ES people. Uh, so our DP7 front cover has sort of a scene with a big old like Victorian house in the background and some trees. Um, Uh, covered by ryan himself it seems and the little words say mastodon alone against the es people and there's a group of six kind of shadowy figures uh, pointing at landers with glow coming off of their brains uh, as if they're uh, attacking uh, mastodon who's decked out in like furry sasquatch kind of gear uh, much like the woodsman war
1: he killed the woodsman and skinned him.
0: Oh, oh no. <laughs> I don't think that was his skin. Maybe no. if, if he had like the dog head on his. Oh, he probably. took the dog. <laughs>
1: um,
0: but No, no. Yeah. No. This has a, like
1: a kind of a, a horror gothic horror feeling between with the mansion and these sort of people in shadows. Yeah.
0: And I think it's, it's kind of funny just because like when you get into the issue, like, you know, well, I mean, without spoiling much, I mean, they're not exactly a menacing squad. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah. You know, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, open up the book uh, written by Mark Gruenwald. We say this every time he's written all of them. I don't think there's any gaps. Uh, Pencil by Paul Ryan, Al Williamson for inks. Uh, Jim Shooter, still listed as editor-in-chief here. Uh, Ralph Macchio still listed as editor. That'll be important later. Uh, but yeah. Issue 11 is titled Haven. And basically the book opens with uh, David Landers or Mastodon uh, dressed in furs, just like the woodsman, though. He's got kind of like a red blue theme going on uh, where the woodsman looks more brown um, and they're doing combat training. So uh, David Landers is huge. Uh but the Woodsman is fast. He does backflips. He, he's, he's really taking it to him. And um, what they show us here is basically the first time where David Landers finally beats him. So, like, we missed all the cool training montages, uh, but they've been at it for a couple weeks. Um, and he finally beat the Woodsman, kind of pinned him down. Um and, you know, Landers is feeling pretty good about himself at this point. Uh, so he's kind of this big, super strong guy, but with no training. He uh, hasn't really won a lot of fights or or really kind of had to. Most, mostly he's been running away. Um, as he says,
1: I'm 10 times stronger than you. I think as the fight begins, you're not quite sure whether they're serious or, or joking around. But it's about page three when he pins him and he's like, <laughs> you've done it to David, my friend, you've <laughs> done it.
0: Yeah. I guess I kind of assumed from the beginning that they were it was friendly just because, you know, that's where they left it last time is there's no reason for them to be battling each other. Well, I, I think the last time it was,
1: um, he was going to take that one of the hunters and David and interrogate them. And so it could have like listened to the hunters story as well, I guess. But.
0: That's true. I don't know what happened to that guy. I think he shows up later in the issue. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, they mentioned that's early March, uh, so a little behind, perhaps the rest of the new universe still, but um, maybe not too far behind. And you know, basically, after afterwards, there's a, a lot of david talking and thinking about how he kind of feels guilty that he escaped you know he's guilty and kind of that he feels guilty that he's kind of afraid to go help his friends in the clinic um and that he's kind of postponing trying to rescue them um also some conversation about you know the woodsman's motivation which all he really gives him is you know um you know some cultures feel responsible for for someone uh if they rescue them if they save them he, uh, I noted that he, he said he fled
1: civilization years ago. And, uh, when he didn't know anything, a teacher, a guide, a fellow traveler appeared and taught me what I needed to know. And that he's passing yeah. this on. You know, fellow traveler is code for a communist, <laughs> it's not, is it really? <laughs> 100%. Well, it means like someone you're ideologically aligned with, and that's okay. It that used to be a thing of like. Uh, you know, the, this professor over here, he was a fellow traveler. All
0: right. Kind of speaking in code a little bit because, you know... <laughs> Whatever. People would freak out about the communists a little bit back in the day. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so... Um, He sort of ends his conversation with the woodsman, you know, hinting at maybe uh, if if only you could maybe help me free all my friends, right? You know, pass it along for more time. Uh, (laughs) But he realizes pretty quick when the woodsman says nothing, he's like, no, no, Uh, what am I thinking? Yeah, that's asking too much. Sorry. (laughs) Uh, Woodsman says nothing at that point. Um, So, yeah, they they share a campfire and some venison. I'm sure Mastodon eats a lot. though not as much as blur, I suppose. Um, And then we cut to page six is later that night and, you know, Lander's guilt and has finally kind of caught up to him. He says, I've got to go. I can't stay around somebody as, as virtuous as the woodsman anymore, especially now that he knows what a creep I am. (laughs) You know, what can you wonder if he'll ever
1: tell me his real name?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Well, easier to track down i guess it's like, what came over me asking me for more help after everything he's done for me you know why is it so hard for me to be a man to do the right thing <laughs> so I mean, david's always kind of broken up he's always questioning you know what they're doing and you know feeling guilty for liking stephanie from a few issues a bunch of issues back and <laughs> and uh as as he's kind of walking off thinking to himself you know, his training you know we'll will uh, suit him well not really sure what to do but he you know should be able to get back to civilization um he says what then you know will i really find the guts to storm the clinic oh stephanie what must you think of me do you even think of me at all anymore <laughs> so uh, i love that i love it that because he's just big huge guy but of course he wasn't always that way and he's just kind of a mopey dude who's struggling to get by
1: uh, still hoping for that uh kool-aid man rescue at the clinic that we've all been uh, waiting for oh yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah one can hope we'll see we'll see david busted
1: the door the um, wall and everyone's asleep and he's like come on
0: (laughs) i love it (laughs) we'll see i hope so um so so that's him thinking of Stephanie is a, a good segue on the same page to the clinic, uh, where Stephanie sparkling, walking through a hall, uh, now a little bit overweight and kind of complaining about it. Uh, I feel so drowsy all the time. Must have something to do with all this weight I've put on. Stephanie Harrington, housewife, turned human sparkler, <laughs> turned human blimp. Oof, <laughs> not even that big.
1: Well, in 1986, you understand uh, this wasn't um, like a 50th percentile weight for a, a woman in North America. I guess, yeah, we were all um, cut up to Indiana. It was a um, yeah. She she's not like huge, but it, it is just like a funny. I don't know if they're confronting them with their deepest fears,
0: and hers is getting
1: fat or something. But
0: yeah, or just yeah, or probably more of her uh, family and husband not liking her anymore, but uh, that's kind of what we get. You get a little bit of like the shining kind of thing where she's going through this weird empty hallway and, you know, she keeps catching glimpses of her kids, you know, running and scrambling in a way and she can't ever catch up to them. Uh, and as she's kind of freaking out, uh, chasing after her daughter. She wakes up. Right. So uh, they're all, or at least enough, it doesn't, I don't, I don't think they're all in this room, but uh, Stephanie and Lenore at least are in a wake up in the room in the clinic where they've been keeping them asleep for this brainwashing. Um, so Stephanie kind of startles awake. She's in fact not gained any weight, she looks the same as she always had. Um, and oh, yeah. we get a peek, and there's a kind of a control room uh behind glass where uh, Tracy Speck and Dexter Charn are, and she's kind of distracted uh, on the phone, talking about uh, where Landers is, uh, where Mastodon is. She's like, "No, he's still in the woods." Yes, the moment he sees a landmark, I'll let you know. Um, so, yeah, she got a little distracted trying to monitor Mastodon and didn't realize that Stephanie was coming out.
1: Um, yeah. So yeah, it's a good point that uh, yeah, her her talent is just to sort of see through other people's eyes. So if Dave's off in the woods and he doesn't know where he is, then she doesn't either. She can't no one can just find him.
0: One has that talent. Right. Right. And so they've been using drugs to keep her out under. Hackbarth is not there. Uh, but Stephanie gets up, uh, she, she kind of starts to realize where she is. He rips out her IV, she's kind of up on the hospital bed. Um Charn has that sort of brain manipulation power, which is a little, still a little vague for me at this point. Um, so he's not, so we're not sure exactly what he's gonna try and do, but he's kind of coming at her with a needle, like a sedative to try and knock her out. Um, mm-hmm. But she's up, and, like she recognizes him. Um, she like, I demand to know what you're doing here. What are you? Oh, and she notices the needle. Uh, says, Get away with that. And basically backhands him across the room. <laughs> which is kind of awesome
1: yeah he had just said the pa- panel before she's paranormally strong yeah.
0: yeah so yeah recall she sparkles she can touch and heal like a limited sort of healing power um, but also like her touch makes people kind of you know invigorated and stronger and and her herself has been have, uh, she's been getting stronger uh, maybe she wasn't quite so in the beginning
1: I wasn't quite sure where she was at before, but this feels like Magna Conti
0: level strength. Yeah, could be. We didn't get the. We didn't have them fight in the uh, crossover. Not yet. So, <laughs> not yet. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Hot-headed Magna Conti. <laughs> um, yeah, so she wakes up and Lenora's is sedated in the bedside behind her. So she tries to use her powers to wake up Lenore, but by then uh, Hackbarth catches up to her. Uh, So he bursts in, says, okay, sparkles, hands off the old bag. now." (laughs) I got to say Hackbarth,
1: like his his way with words is hilarious.
0: Yes, there's an even better one later. (laughs) Uh, She's like, Hackbarth, you slimy worm, I might have known. He's like, sticks and stones, bimbo, now lights out. (laughs) Um, so you remember Heckbarth has basically like control over physiology. So he can like make people's bodies do whatever, including kind of put them to sleep. Um, so really strong, versatile power if you're trying to cause problems for somebody. Um, and so she starts to feel faint, tries to fight it a little bit, but basically, uh, loses the battle and he puts her out, um, Though uh, she did succeed in waking up Lenore as as Lenore just starts to come out of it. Hackbarth is like, ah, what? She did manage to rouse the old biddy with her fruity sparkles. <laughs> Nuts to that. <laughs> Which is my favorite line of the book.
1: <laughs> uh, chef's kiss. Yes.
0: Yeah. Fruity sparkles. So Lenora doesn't, uh, no, no escape this time. Uh, Lenora's put out basically immediately. And heckbarth just starts yelling at everybody. He's like, I can't leave you two alone for a minute without a foul up, can I, Speck? And she's like, oh, hush. Are you okay, Dexter? Um, Speck, the woman, uh, blonde woman who can see through anyone's eyes, kind of has a kind of sort of relationship with uh, Dexter Charn, who's maybe also brain-manipulating her to like him a little bit. Uh, we got hints of that last time. So, uh, so yeah, he kind of yells at them a bit. Um, you know, give her more sedative, You know, but she's already taking full strength. Just uh, like, don't tell me your problems, you moron. Solve it. Give her elephant tranquilizer for all I care. This ain't the first time that Broad's gotten out of control and nearly ruined weeks of dream therapy. For those lousy runaways i swear she breaks out one more time and i'll terminate her yikes <laughs> so hopefully not. <laughs> the
1: um yeah the the uh, hackbarth is i mean yeah he's he's, he's a very impatient dude and uh, i think we saw in last issue these guys are all stressed out they're all sort of manipulating each other with their powers to kind of make them work over time just keeping everyone under and looking out for dave and all this so yeah the yeah. the breaking points are starting to develop in the clinic
0: yeah and, and we get a little bit of sort of humanizing them even we got more humanizing of Hackbarth previous issue i believe whereas here he's kind of you know, yeah like you say it seems like he's been pushed to the limit a bit um so that's sort of the end of that scene. You know, page ten. Uh, we go back to Mastodon David Landers uh, with a Seven hours later, uh, he's made it to civilization. Uh, found a gas and service station, basically. Uh, so he comes in. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, surprises a uh, uh, the guy working there. You know, this huge, seven foot, four hundred pound guy with a crazy beard. Uh, so he gives him change for the phone for free. And he ends up calling uh, what we find out is to, I think a new character is old friend, Sue. Uh, who I don't recall ever seeing in the book. Um, I think he
1: just referred to her before like, oh, my friend like found me passed out and called an ambulance or something. But yeah, we didn't ever see her.
0: Okay. You know, so so now we do. Um, and you know he he reaches out to her um you know she, kind of casually not like come and rescue me kind of thing uh, she talks about how her mom's in the hospital and uh he remembers how she, she right his friend sue on the phone had uh, helped him go get through problems when uh his when landers his mom was sick we also get a nice the only panel i think i recall on page 11 uh, of david landers pre uh pre-mastodon right i think maybe we saw a picture yeah. of him before just a headshot yeah 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 but That's yeah right. he, he looks kind of like tony stark i guess right he's just kind of a normal guy regular hair you know little mustache right?
1: yeah yeah he's a very well we can't he's not like standing up but yeah it looks totally normal very human physique like marvel has like art styles for like the superheroes versus like the normal people, their friends and stuff. And this is definitely the more normal person style.
0: Definitely the normal person style, yeah. So I'm um, more more guilt. Uh she she's kind of hoping that he'll come and um you know help her through it just like he like she did for him. Um and he kind of says he will, but is sort of immediately second guessing himself. Mm-hmm. Um again she's a little bit used to him and his size, but yeah, he's not confident enough for that. um So, like like anyone would do, you just hop on the back of an old logging truck and ride it on the highway, right?
1: It's an interesting relationship. I can't. I mean, he says they were never more than good friends, but he doesn't think she'll accept him in this new look. And so it's like, and then he talks a little about you know. Stephanie do I still love her or does she have anything for me and this, this whole thing is, is like hours of keeping himself company the whole ride down I guess
0: yeah and,
1: <laughs> yeah. so whatever Sue and David it, it's not like they broke up or anything but maybe it could develop into something if he wasn't I don't know he wasn't a
0: paranormal freakish monster monster they called me uh so uh on cue as he's thinking about you know well if i settle down with sue you know could i count on the clinic leaving me alone he's like what (laughs) am (laughs) i like the the car starts driving behind with clinic goons and there's their sunglasses and pesky tranquilizer guns they seem to have infinite ammo for um which wasn't introduced into Metal Gear until Metal Gear Solid Two, when you had the infinite tranquilizer. Oh man,
1: I gotta get working on that.
0: <laughs> yes, the um,
1: irony police are pulling up next to him. Yes.
0: Um, so yeah, he's he is alerted to them by taking two Trank darts to the chest. Um, ouch. <laughs> um, uh, but as we've seen before, he can kind of take a couple. He's, he's a big guy. It's not easy to tranquilize someone like that um so yeah they're following behind in a little blue sedan you know he's on the back of like an open air logging truck just sitting on the logs um and he jumps for it right basically just jumps right off the truck uh they're driving through a rural area that's woods still so he's got this woodsman training um so kind of does a big dive and starts thinking about uh you know maybe doing what the woodsman did hide in the woods and take them on one at a time. Uh, of course, he doesn't have a dog, uh, which could be a problem. I uh, he says, Oh man, a whole mob, at least a half dozen. Why can't they leave me the heck alone? Um, and
1: if the coloring is right, it's still snowy, which would mean he's leaving tracks everywhere too.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Big tracks and loud noises. So it'd be hard to imagine him being quite still still so stealthy as the woodsman. Um, but
1: where you call hell, Rambo calls home.
0: Uh, nice. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so he he takes off into the woods. Uh, still still uh, quite a bit at risk. He notices that their needles are even longer, uh, you know, to get under his thick skin even better. Uh, again, I'm being stalked like some dumb animal. It's humiliating. Um, so, again, he's running, not having much success finding cover. Yeah, takes another trank to the back and you know starts to thinking about giving up basically. Old Mopey Dave, yeah. Old Mopey Dave, get up, you big bag of lard. Um, <laughs> uh, so he kind of kind of base plants into the snow. Um, we get a, a nice little black panel of just get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up. Get up. I'm, then, I'm assuming, I not Oh, okay. it's all the different voices. Yeah, that's true. But we didn't know that while we were reading page fourteen per se. Um, so of course he wakes up in an old Victorian home on a fancy couch. Is he awake? Right? Is he dreaming? And you know this induced dream state. You know what's going on here. Um, so yeah, he doesn't know what's going on. Uh, like, did I stumble here in such a daze? I don't remember doing it. Like, it's dark out. Are the gunmen still out there? Whose house is this anyway? Um, so he thinks he hears something, kind of rumbles himself upstairs. Um, yeah, it, it definitely gives off like spooky Scooby Doo sort of vibes, yeah, kind of old building, cracked walls kind of stuff. But kind of hilariously, it's got to be someone living here. He pulls open a door quick and there's like, Six regular adults huddling in a closet. <laughs> and they're like, oh. <laughs> so well this yeah. is
1: where I should start doing throwing in some Resident Evil One material, but <laughs>
0: I, I I don't know. It's been too long. Yeah. yeah. Where, how, how do I have to arrange these chess pieces to get the door to unlock? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> or whether I was nervous at an evil two, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> it's both. Yeah, so there's like, you know, a woman with like long, with longish curly hair. Um uh, there's a guy with a beard and kind of just like a sweater over a shirt, you know, a regular brown-haired guy, another long brown-haired woman. Uh two guys in front, one with kind of curly dark hair and one with curly red hair. <laughs> just regular looking people. It's like, oh, yeah, it's it's kind of like when
1: uh, an artist will draw his friends into a scene or something. This yeah, is, uh, I can see the the editors or just paul ryan's friends or i i don't know yeah but yeah, people okay. contest winners at a convention yeah yeah that's Give also them some cool powers number one patreon supporters get uh,
0: <laughs> written in maybe a little early for that <laughs> yeah i don't yeah. know there was a x-men comic where they have this big like gala event kind of thing so it's all the marvel hero characters and then they drew in some like celebrities like john ham and like maybe the guy who does the marvel movies kevin something or other and but it was God. like it was like oh like it just breaks the thing because you know most comic book characters like they have real generic faces so it's usually the hair and the costumes that kind of set them apart but i'm like trying to draw like a weird realistic john ham in your comic and it's like no keep him out <laughs> but whatever that doesn't, nothing to do with this <laughs> uh but it's funny basically he, he rips open the door there's a bunch of regular people there he's like oh i uh, didn't mean you no harm you can come out sorry i barged into your house you know I'm, i can look a little scary uh don't you guys ever talk <laughs> it's like oh yes i'm walt and this is mary lou holly victor dan and Keith. so yeah very plain names
1: i'm the regulator
0: i'm the sorcerer yeah (laughs) no heck barth is the regulator oh damn it yeah (laughs) they never
1: the new universe uh never does that like i'm captain uh,
0: um psychedelic yeah at least not yet hopefully not ever maybe (laughs) we'll see we'll see uh he's like oh pleased to meet you sorry i look terrifying I was like, no, you can stay in our house. Paranormals are always welcome. What? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what he says. So. Yep. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we get a little jump cut from there back to the clinic, back again to slightly overweight Stephanie uh, chasing now all of her children through random hallways. Jill, Emily, Ben, come back. Oh, Chuck, you're here too. <laughs> that was my emphasis, but like you know, oh Chuck, dream Chuck. I thought we were rid of this guy once Landers threw him onto the roof. <laughs> I think uh I- I'm
1: surprised that the uh uh Charn and Hackbarth aren't making her even fatter just to pay back for all the trouble that she's causing them.
0: Like yeah, until she-,
1: she becomes so fat she can barely move in her own dream.
0: Ouch. <laughs> it's like a twilight zone or something um but yeah so yeah i'm i'm also confused why like is this the dream they're giving her for some re- actual reason and maybe like you know what they're trying to teach her is kind of backfiring because this you know you know maybe none of them have kids which would kind of make a lot of sense um mm. but like her love and protectiveness over her children's really causing her to freak out and that plus her healing kind of power is causing her to pop out of these dreams but um yeah so like dream chucks like they're afraid of you you fat glowing freak <laughs> and then all the kids start chiming in we hate you mommy we love daddy
1: <laughs> i hear this every day so it's no. <laughs> nice yeah, it's perfect stuff already. with Chuck, <laughs> Chuck and Stephanie. Like, nothing could upset her more.
0: Yeah, I would think so. Nothing upsets me more than seeing Chuck. <laughs> he
1: he seems like I don't know, like her image of him that she still has like feelings for him because he doesn't look as like you know crappy mm-hmm. as he does in in the the previous appearances. I don't know.
0: Yeah, it's just me less less beer and cheeto stains yeah yeah he seemed really I don't know, off-putting <laughs> in real life uh, all right but so yeah so she starts waking up in real life uh, and hackbarth and his sassy one-liners that does it i'm wasting the witch slams his fist on the table uh so they argue a bit um uh charon who's the the manipulator is kind of the dream manipulator is kind of trying to hold him back a bit it's like i don't give a rat's tail for us he's sassing everybody <laughs> i'm gonna do it new you fee- two phoebs are gonna back me up when i say it's an accident you got that <laughs> so she's still she's still kind of out of it and he's starts to tear into her you know how you want to go blondie heart attack stroke something more exotic I know 50 ways to kill you, but squeezing the old ticker till it bursts is the most fun to watch. I'm like, Ooh, geez. Okay, man. Um, so yeah, she's still semi-conscious, but she starts kind of writhing on the uh, hospital table. Uh, as, as he's actually doing it, he's actually killing her. Um, Cardiac arrest here. Yeah. yeah. Tracy, ever the helpful stop him. He's killing her. I'm in her mind. I know. It's like, okay, well, that's pretty obvious without going in her mind. Um, and so Charn basically grabs Hackbarth, you know, stop it. I've, I've just thought of a better way to do this. I can give her a full reinforcement treatment all at once. It'll cause trauma and, ah, too late for that wimp. I started something. I'm going to finish it. And he kind of throws off <laughs> uh, Charn. Uh, and continues back to uh, murdering slowly uh, Stephanie. Um, but basically, Charn reaches out. Uh, so again, his power is power a little bit vague, but he had threatened before that he could kind of like fry someone's mind if he just went at it. Um, so this kind of sounds like what he's going to do here. And we see some force powers kind of jumping from his brain to Stephanie's, but also to Hackbarth's. Um, so he zaps them uh, zaps them both Uh, he hadn't meant to get hackbarth um, but you know they both go down and both down for the count Um, and even uh, Tracy Speck the clinic doctor who can see through their eyes is kind of stopping at Stephanie she's like honey are you all right it's like you did it she's (laughs) totally out of it her sparkles stop too and she looks yeah like her eyes are open, just staring into nothing. <laughs> and uh same thing for Hackbarth. He was like, you know, he was mentally hooked up to her nervous system and I traumatized her brain. He got the same treatment. So oops.
1: <laughs> yeah, the uh Sparkle stopped is an interesting development. Like if Steffi starts losing her powers because of this. You know, yeah. Yeah. are just
0: yeah, you know, we not really sure how it all works, but um so Yeah, not too good he didn't mean to blow her out her circuits and you know she's like well you did what you did to save the patient mr voigt will understand that he seems like a nice guy
1: <laughs> mr understanding is what we call him
0: yeah yeah sure I,
1: so yeah it's so this leaves the clinic down one um because hackbarth was you know pretty strong in keeping them under control
0: yeah, and he was really the one that could put them back to sleep, sort of instantly too. So, and so, yeah. perhaps the head jerk as well. All right. So, uh, to, from the clinic, we cut back to the um, the house of the ES people. Right, six regular folks living in an old Victorian building, maybe lacking a theme song. The ES people. Um, ES
1: people, where did you go? I don't
0: know. Let's <laughs> So
1: it's a um. It, it, I think if you were doing, doing this group today, you would call it a polycule or something. But
0: mm. uh, okay. So, and <laughs> anyway. Yeah, we'll see. I don't know. It's like four men, two women. How long? Well, how long can they get along in hiding? We'll see. Mm. But uh, so yeah, yeah, they end up. Uh, kind of having a conversation where they explain who they are. Um, they, yeah. She does say we've been referring to ourselves
1: as the ES people.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure before if they ever called themselves that, but they do.
1: Yeah, like, I missed it as, the first time through, but it is. Uh, yeah, without like get getting a name like <clears throat> from the clinic as the paranormals did. Oh, you're a paranormal. Oh, okay, that's what I am.
0: They just made one up for
1: themselves, and it was.
0: Yeah, <laughs> so they say, you know, they each have some psychic talent. Um uh, One guy, you know, um says, you know, I was the first to learn of you. Are, are you aware a woman enters your mind every so often to look out of your eyes to see where you are? <laughs> He's like, hmm, so that's how the clinic does it. Because up until now, they had no idea that that was what her power. And he says, you know, that's what brought him to the awareness. And while he was on the truck, they were, he was apparently close enough. Uh, to have you know felt that psychic invasion on landers, and then the basically one of the yes people guys I don't definitely don't have anywhere near their name straight. Maybe Keith, huh. uh, maybe no Keith is the, Walt, okay. Walt perhaps Walter White, um kind of relays the story of how they rescued him, right? Because when he was knocked out. You know, he, we were assuming he was surrounded by uh, the clinic's hunters who don't have powers but are really good with a Trank gun. Um, but the ES people sprang into action. So it was kind of a fun panel of them all running out the door, putting their regular jackets on because it's cold instead of, like, throwing their capes on or something. Um, and they run in line, too, kind of like Super Friends intro kind of, like, Let's go, ES people. Use your senses. They Um, need
1: like a special vehicle, but they just say they they piled into their van.
0: Yeah, sadly we didn't get a look at the van. Maybe it has like a cool like eyeball in the back and like some psychedelic stuff, like the ES people van. (laughs) That would be awesome. (laughs) Awesome. Um, But yeah, actually they they work really well together. As you know, they they work as a team uh, quite well. So we're gonna get. Uh, a bit of their powers. So one guy, Dan, can manipulate senses, so kind of make people see things that aren't there, or sort of make them invisible. Uh, Mary Lou can send messages to people's brains. She had kind of told Landers to relax. Uh, Victor, who lost all of his hair color in this scene, um, has sort of telekinetic powers. They call him the psychokineticist which makes it sound like a job. Um, but Are like you licensed, to... sir? I, you're going to have to put your psychokinesis back. He got his psychokineticist degree at University of Phoenix, so I'm not sure if that counts. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so he's able to kind of deflect the uh, darts. So yeah, so one person kind of makes Landers... Uh, kind of lie there and be complacent the other makes them invisible the other is able to kind of deflect the darts um uh the guy who's narrating walt i believe you know has more of like a mental sort of attack you know seems a little bit powers kind of like charn does so he's able to kind of um uh, jam to jam energies to use my gym energies to temporarily stop the electrical activity in one of the gunmen's brains. I'm like, okay, that sounds terribly dangerous. <laughs> it's like not long enough to cause any damage though. Um, you know, no so, kill
1: count for you there.
0: Yeah. And, and so there's a lot of hunters, you know, so they'd make one guy look like Mastodon who's getting up. So one of the hunters kind of tranks his own guy. Um, you know, when, uh, Let's see. Holly uses her influence over nature to stir up a wind to blow up, to blow snow into the hunters' faces. I'm like, okay, that's, she's got interesting powers. Um, Storm, been, I hear. Yeah, exactly. Once they've been blown onto a frozen pond, she causes the ice to crack beneath them. So, yeah, I mean, she she might have some really impressive powers, actually. Uh, so yeah, basically, they, they take down the hunters. Uh, they all use their powers pretty well. They end up, you know, stopping the last guy by sending the dart back into his gun, and then making an imaginary wall of fire to kind of cover their escape, and say, "Well, really, beating the hunters was no problem compared to dragging your big butt all the way out of here into our van, the ES people van."
1: I, I mean, if you were waiting for like a big paranormal fight. I think this is it, like maybe it is. in the
0: new universe, you know? Yeah. It's kind of cool, but it's also like an introduction of the characters and their powers too. Um, so, But it's also like the hunters don't have paranormal powers either though, so.
1: Yeah, it's, um, I appreciate the, yeah, we, we had like a panel where they introduce themselves and then through this, they're very clear. Dan, who has this power, is doing this activity. And you know, so yeah, so it's nicely um, clear. It's just, the art, as always, is pretty uh, clear. But you're like,
0: uh, yeah, yeah, unlike you know, occasionally we get a bad uh, issue of, of other comics in the new universe and stuff where the. It's kind of hard to figure out what's going on in the action scenes or, the, or they're real static or something like that where it just doesn't flow very well. But but this works really well. So my brother, Paul Ryan, has kind of become complacent, I think, <laughs> like getting used to how good the art in DP7 is sometimes. Um, yeah, so they, you know, they end their story with him kind of back on the couch <laughs> soon. And left you to sleep off the effects of the tranquilizers on our Davenport. (laughs) I should have looked up, but I'm presuming that's the style of the couch. (laughs) I mean, Um, yeah. So, yeah, you know, David's still kind of skeptical of the whole thing. uh, But they say, you know, we're all we were all strangers. We were outcasts. You know, we help each other out. We've created this little haven. You know, you should come and join us, basically, is what they're saying. Um, you know, you never fear persecution again. Um, but Landers is mopey and also has some captured friends out there, so he's like, It's tempting. A few months ago, I would have said yes in a moment, but now I'm needed elsewhere. I have one friend whose mother is dying, I have six others who believe, who I believe were captured by the same men after me. You say I'm good enough to join your little hideaway, but I'm not. All I do is run away from my responsibilities, disappointing people who count on me. Wait, you guys could help. <laughs> Help me rescue my friends, and like, no, Mr. Landers. Sorry, we cannot stray far from our haven without risking discovery by the outside world and persecution by the people who are after you. It's like, yeah, I know, too much to ask. Well, nothing in the world can shelter me from my own guilt about how I let down everyone I care about. Jeez, Landers, I'd better just go now.
1: It's always like you're you're waiting for some big uh fight but it's always dave just beating up on himself
0: <laughs> yeah which doesn't even require large muscles maybe as his actual strength has gotten stronger the strength of his uh <laughs> self-worth has decreased proportionately hmm. <laughs> anyway um so, yeah. Uh, so he decides to go, um, you know, if, just as he's kind of going down the steps, the uh, Walt is like, well, before you go, let me ask your indulgences. I put a psychic padlock around your memories. So you'll never know that we exist. And uh, maybe a security system present, prevent other psychic tampering is like, um, okay, but what? <laughs> uh, it's interesting. Like Walt is doing this.
1: Like he was like saying that his power was to just manipulate energy. So
0: he just kind of knocked the guy out a couple pages ago. I mean, clearly he's good enough at it to kind of rearrange neurons to, <laughs> you know, I, yeah. I mean, crazy. I guess you could like if you I mean, this would be like the world's most impossible power to like ration, rationalize out and, and like make it work. Without some hand waving, but like presumably, if you knew which neurons were forming that pathway that that memory that recent short term memory was, you could stop them. But yeah, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of brain cells, so good luck finding the right ones.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like it feels like something that one of the other people's powers would have been good with, like, but I'm not. I may have misunderstood one of those too. So
0: yeah. The the guy in the letters page later would have had a field day with the waltz powers, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so he's kind of walking off. He's like, what did that guy do to me? What guy am I talking about? So he like literally doesn't remember them anymore. And we're on page 23 here. He's walking down the steps, walking down the path. We can see the the Victorian building kind of disappear uh behind him. Uh, you know the powers of the other guy to kind of make p- make people not see what's really there and landers takes six trank darts to the chest and he's down so after all <laughs> of that um captured uh, we get a view of him crumpled back down in the snow where he started and all six hunters surrounding him saying ha got the sucker but good i knew if we combed the area thoroughly we'd flush him out come on let's haul into the car i'm freezing <laughs> So again, perhaps the biggest challenge is hauling David Landers to the vehicle yet again. <laughs> Make it hard on him, Dave. Pretend you're asleep. <laughs> and yeah, yeah, so that's the end of the issue. We get next on the end of the run. So yeah, I guess that's no no more runaway. Everybody's captured by the clinic now and we'll see what happens. Yeah, this really does
1: feel like it's built like the climax is coming next issue. So
0: I hope so. whole...
1: hmm? I hope so. Yeah, yeah, us hope so. A year of like being on the run and you know will they won't they capture us? Can we get away? Yeah, you know, to, maybe can get to the... talk to these people while they're or or use our powers without getting captured and if we stay too long. Occasionally um, have an exorcism. Ah, <sighs> my uh my name for these guys was the Deus X men. As in <laughs> Deus ex machina, like mm. they come from nowhere to uh, uh, help you when in your hour of greatest need.
0: Except um, they basically accomplish nothing. Well, I mean, they did put maybe a psychic block on him. Yes and
1: no. Yeah, the psychic lock, I think, you know, would allow Dave at least to escape Charn. So your first thought is like, yeah, he could do the Kool Aid Man thing, like, and they wouldn't know he was coming. But then they shot him. So yeah, where does this go? They'll know he's
0: in the clinic. So right. Though if he can, if he can, if he's defended against whatever Charn can do, and Hackbarth is down for the count for a while, then yeah, maybe you know they have more than they bargained for by risk by uh, capturing Landers. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I know I've read this before, but I don't remember at all what the transition is. <laughs>
1: I think uh it's been a long time for me but the uh so I don't really remember how next issue you know plays out. Um hopefully it's not like Dave having to squeeze the life out of, out of Tracy Speck. Don't ever
0: watch my friends again. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is like I'm I'm suddenly reminded in the 80s like movies were full of pretty blonde women like you know the hero the the heroine the the villainous they're all like this So, like tracy speck and uh stephanie harrington fighting each other in this issue just kind of reminded me of that
0: mm. um, and now in the new 2020s we are remaking all of those movies but eliminating all of those characters
1: <laughs> uh yeah it would be like the dp3 lenore stephanie and um Charlie and
0: uh, yeah, I don't know, and hmm. not uh, um, yeah, I mean, it, the I mean, Marvel's always been pretty good about kind of pushing and having like a reasonable diverse grouping. I mean, of course, it's still a bit white male dominated, but you know, it's just sort of a nice natural thing. I mean, you've got a clever reason for a bunch of random unlike each other people to be together here you know they were all paranormal and captured they just got grouped together by the clinic so you got this you know thoughtful and nice way to bring together a group that has a ton of diversity including one of the very few um over 50 characters in marvel's yeah yeah. Right? <laughs> With yeah very
1: underplayed in the older uh market i think the uh if you look at the demographics of America or Wisconsin at that time, it's, yeah, I, I don't know what more you could uh, ask for. There's a lot of, um,
0: yeah, diverse. Yeah. Uh, whatever. All the descendants of the uh, cold European countries that didn't think <laughs> that New York was cold enough, right? Exactly.
1: So let's see. I, uh, as I said, um, I was just joking about the polycule. I guess that's a modern term for like um like a polyamorous group or something mm. like that yeah there's no you can't tell what's going on with the sort of interpersonal dynamics of the es people so no they all seem pretty quiet honestly
0: yeah um that's um, hiding in the closet from the big strong guy because they didn't want to scare him <laughs> and have him swat one of them or something <laughs> So one of my notes was that this what this actually
1: reminded me of was uh, occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. If you remember that, mm, no, it's a short story that they've made as a movie and various TV shows. And the the thing it's a thing where like a guy gets shot or hung or something at the beginning, and then he's like miraculously like the rope breaks or he the shot misses him runs away and he's like escaping and he goes through the woods and he sees other people and blah, blah blah the story goes on and on maybe like what makes his way home and then as he like gets there he's like ah! and you realize this is all just like been his dream as he was dying uh, or something flashing before his eyes yeah so this is like it's this the transition between Landers getting shot by the hunters and waking up being shot by the hunters I mean, it's a good question whether that actually happened at
0: all, you know? Yeah, and he doesn't remember it either, so.
1: And he doesn't remember it, and it seems, yeah, it's when you put it next to the clinic, which is constantly doing dream life, you know, control of people, it's kind of um, funny that you get this parallel that's this, this, the same thing almost, or yeah. could be the same without you knowing
0: one way or the other. Turns out, only Nightmask and the real non-Voodoo twin, Doctor Ballad are the really the only good people doing dream research these days, right? That's that's why they're so rare. Yeah, I guess. But
1: yeah, it was kind of fun after like meeting the Woodsman and getting help from him. Then Dave meets another group of people and also gets help from them, and that's uh, that's why, it, in some ways, it felt a little like. I don't know, man, you know, like, how many, like, random times can you stumble into people who will be, like, go out of their way to help you that much? There is something about, like, DP7 and the Paranormals, though, that you can, I mean, you can rationalize that there's some connection between all of them. And so, even without, like, the guy's power in this issue to really locate someone, you, you know, that they, they're they kind of drawn together, in some way by, the you know, the powers have some sense for each other or something. And so you end up kind of running into other paranormals more than like star brand runs into other star brands or spitfire mm-hmm. runs into other robots or, you know, so, so, you know, maybe I don't want to be like, this is unrealistic in the
0: realistic universe, but okay. <laughs> hmm uh do you want to do ratings first Do you want to do letters page first
1: uh ratings um I'll, I'll keep it at a minus i'm pretty happy with it this uh i mean it's it gives me everything except like sort of like a um, an emo- emotional like super point so you know right
0: I think- yeah I, I would agree i was thinking the same thing with a minus that at this point i'm I've i've had i'm I've had enough of kind of being on the edge of waiting to see something happen at the clinic, right? Like we had a dream there in the volleyball issue, which I enjoyed. And Landers has been out on his own for a while. Uh, or at least it feels like a while going month to month kind of thing. But uh, so yeah, I'll, I'll be excited if things kind of come to a head a little bit and we have the team uh, not dreaming for a while at some point. Uh, By the yeah. way, I think we were talking about this last time that
1: uh, 9 and 10 could have been done in the other order. It actually it seems more better that way to me if I... Because this uh, 9 was um, Randy's dream and it, I, I thought it's you know, it was more powerful if they'd been doing this for a while, right? Yeah. But then in 10 they're like, he's been under for two days. And you're like, two days? Mm. So... Um, now it's definitely been weeks, so, yeah, I, I, it would be like, you know, they all, the the other six get captured, then, um, Dave is still running and finds the woodsman, then Randy is, like, in this dream from, who knows how long he's been there, then Dave comes back, and it's, like, been several months, Mm. so, I don't know. Too late to change on, now. On the way to the letters page, which has the, as all new universe titles have, very stripped down title of letters to DP7.
0: <laughs> it gets to the point. Amazingly, just two letters in this issue. Two really long letters. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, the, the first one was, was sort of uh, you know, filled with praise i would say and then the second one feels like the classic comic book letter (laughs) where someone's like picking apart the decisions of the writer (laughs) um as far as things go so yeah he basically like lays down every single character uh it's like well i'm not thrilled with the idea of marvel creating a new universe i can understand why you'd want dp7 at least isolated if it were mainstream you'd be having ten thousand letters asking are they mutants are they meeting x factor and so on um um but yeah there, there's a lot there it's actually a pretty interesting letter and uh, in how he kind of breaks down all the characters and such uh, and, and complains about them uh i'll, I'll pick out Jeff Walters uh, he says, if you thought this man's powers through, you'd realize that if Jeff's vibrating so quickly, he seems like a blur. Wouldn't everything he touches be violently shaken to? If the item isn't durable enough, it would be destroyed. Please remember that life would be very hard for a man moving at high speed. You'd have to use a mattress on the floor to keep his bed from shaking. You might find it impossible to read a newspaper without shredding it. You'd have to make sure not to fill glasses up more than halfway. And God knows how he shaves. Good point. Uh, not only would he have to eat prodigious amounts of food to keep from starving, he may also perspire constantly, explaining the light clothing he seems to wear all the time. <laughs> Before he lays into Des- Dennis Kaczynski, I hate him.
1: <laughs> oh, you're dead to me, Michael Pickens. Yeah, uh, the um yeah, I,
0: 552 I, Centerburg, Ohio.
1: <laughs> I can only assume that Jeff can shave because like parts of him are vibrating in the same way the rest of him is relative so to him he's like stays uh still if you understand what i mean
0: yeah i suppose right it's,
1: it's yeah so if like his hand was out of sync with his face then definitely he couldn't touch or shave himself without
0: ow yeah and we already had the gag where he like shook up the soda cans <laughs> right right just by holding them so fair enough. I, we
1: we, your uh, complaints were duly noted in issue five
0: or something. Mm-hmm. And I guess that it, it could be a difference between like true vibration and then like his, which might be sort of just random motion, right? Like he's moving so fast that like our normal like head sways and little bits of hand movement and kind of stuff like to everyone else makes him look kind of blurry, you know, because he can't stand perfectly still perhaps maybe maybe that doesn't quite jibe with his powers explanation yeah it i'm not sure if that's what they had
1: in mind but that does that makes sense for me yeah
0: Yeah, even even with but he, he tears up everybody but um even with um a more realistic subset of powers you know it's you can't do it without being you can't do it with perfect scientific explanations for everything so you know, we are more realistic in the new universe, not like perfectly adhering to all physics. <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, that's why we say in the beginning
1: cinematically realistic. I mean, yeah. There's nothing like in the new universe that's, you know, less realistic than an action movie would be uh, in a lot of ways. But that's not to say it's much more realistic than that either. And if yeah. the question is like, whether we should have this exciting scene or whether we should have um, something so accurate that you'll fall asleep reading it. I I think they wisely choose for the the
0: former. Yeah, no doubt. (laughs) Um, In the end of his letter, though, he drops something interesting, which I didn't know, and basically says... Now, I'm not sure what you're going to do with the team from now on. The fugitives on the run from the evil corporate power bit has been done before, but I'll stick around to see what happens. Concentrate on adding depth to the characters and think out the team's powers. And I know this is an odd request, uh, but I read somewhere that out of the seven characters, Mr. Grunwald originally proposed for the series, only four of the character ideas remain intact, which four, and what were the ideas that didn't make it? So the editor responds, you know, sorry, we had to trim your letter for space and take up the whole letter page. So it must've been really long. Uh, It says to answer your question the four surviving DPs from the first new universe creators conference are Antibody, Blur, Scuzz, and Twilight. The other three originally were going to be vice versa, Quicksand, and Manpower. How's that for a secret behind the comics? The other new you creators helped Mark refine his character ideas. And it was ace letterer Jack Morelli who suggested Mark change the name of the book from displaced paranormals to DP seven. Take a bow, Jack.
1: Yeah. I think Morelli was like, uh, one of the people, uh, who started, um, spitfire and the troubleshooters like Morelli and Brown.
0: Uh, okay. The, that, like first who were displaced to... themselves. eh? <laughs> Indeed. Um, Sorry. For more on that listen to our Mike Rockwitz interview piece, right?
1: <laughs> That's exactly the place to go to find out more Rockwitz's behind the scenes information about the early days of uh, the new universe. Um yeah, the the I didn't. I'm not even honestly, but so vice versa was one of the three
0: uh, hunters that
1: first came after. the. Yeah. She had
0: the interesting reversal powers, quicksand and manpower sound like we've never seen versions of them yet, or perhaps will not.
1: Yeah. I don't know if we'll, if we'll see them or not, but um, keep our eyes open, I guess. And it's, It's funny that, yeah, the letters page, the editors, everyone still uses code names that have never once been used in the book. No. Once, once have been
0: used. Just once, yeah. Except for SCOS, I guess, yeah. But um, yeah, the, uh, I wonder if like the quicksand power could have been like to cause people to like sink into the ground. And then maybe that morphed into Charlie's powers of like sticky and slipperiness. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's funny and manpower uh, think could it have ma- turned into mastodon, mastodon or yeah. maybe even stephanie though it's kind of hard to know <laughs> <laughs> stephanie has the
1: manpower what <laughs> is that the the true heart or truesdale in the um the, the volleyball tournament tournament um She had like a man manipulating power or something.
0: Ooh, yeah, that's true. (laughs) Power over man. Or she's just a woman. All pretty girls do, though. So that's a a woman with the proportionate strength of one adult man. (laughs) 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 Oh, my goodness.
1: Um, Okay. So then at the end of the letters page, special editor's note. Do you want to or shall I?
0: I got it uh it says with great regret that your humble editor ralph macchio announced that this will be his last issue as humble very humble editor of this magazine this humble magazine <laughs> next issue handsome no not humble but handsome howard mackey becomes the brand new editor of all of the new U books including mm-hmm. dp7 while i which i'm assuming is uh assistant editor um Do Fantastic Four and Captain America. So I had great fun working with Mark and Paul on the first eleven issues, and look forward to following his book in the future. Uh, Not as editor, but as fan. So yeah, we've editorial change.
1: What? (laughs) Take it away, Howard. (laughs) Well, so yeah, we so the new universe was um, four titles were by uh, Michael Higgins. Such is by uh, Mike Rockowitz. And then we had in four individual titles um, by various other group editors, uh, Larry Hama and uh, Ralph Macchio here and forgetting a couple. But yeah, um, this is the beginning of editorial changes. And um, we were discussing behind the scenes um, because we haven't really brought it up before, but It's well-known historically that several uh, series ended at the 12th issue. And as we're going through this, we're looking for like clues that this is coming up at all. Still nothing. This is the closest thing we've seen yet. So, um, So going through things, let's see. Shooter had apparently left April 15th of 1987. And so, as we said, this hits the stands in June. So April, May, June, you've got, um, I think it's like three months between something happening and the issue hitting the stands. Right. And probably an issue or two are uh, so much done ahead of time that you can't just stick in a change or a notice. So... But let's see. So Marvel Age 54 was on sale this week uh, in 1987. And it covers the number 12 issues and the annuals that are coming out the next month. Then mm, about two weeks we've got a Marvel Age annual number three. And that only has three new universe titles in future directions. Well, maybe four. I, I may have missed one. but. Mm-hmm. Because yeah, Star Brand was um, whatever, bi monthly. But yeah, they that's they did not have uh, the four that were not going to continue. And then uh, in Marvel Age 55 and sale next month, they introduced the uh, winners of the New Universe Trivia Contest from issues two to six. Um, it is, and. It is not until 56 comes out in a couple more months that we hear that the shooter has left and DeFalco is the new editor in chief. So, over the next couple months, or yeah, a couple of months, I guess, we'll be seeing some probably more editorial changes and, you know, titles ending. And it looks like, yeah, we just, you know, did not hear anything until the number 12 hit the stands and that they, Oh, hi. by the way, this is our last issue.
0: Yeah, and I think so. The next two comics we cover are still covered in this current universe news. So then, the the next or the issue twelve of uh, Nightmask and Cyforce might be the next universe news, which I think has some some details. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll check in with that when we can,
1: as we can, but not. Without going, you know, too much future knowledge, we uh, we've been avoiding as much as we can so far, and we'll keep doing that. Yeah. So this DP seven letters column is the first. You might be sitting at home and hearing anything. What? Someone's changed at Marvel? Why? Huh? What? Right. Well. Thirty um, something years ago, but yeah. we weren't on the internet then. Yeah, it was like, oh, so and so is fired. You, I wouldn't have heard about it for six months. Yeah. You know?
0: mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: By the way, um, this is about, I think, the halfway point in terms of issues of the new universe. If you count up all the series that continued and how many issues went out, it's uh, at about, we are about 88 issues in now. Mm.
0: I think 176 total. And I would say, in our arbitrary way of doing things, coming towards the end of season two of the new universe podcast.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so for uh, for you guys at home, we, our plan is to do the number twelve issues and the Spitfire number thirteen, uh, the annuals, and then we will wrap. Consider that a wrap for season two. We'll do a little recap of, for everyone and preparing for the next
0: next stage of the new universe. So about four hundred more episodes, and then the next <laughs> phase. <laughs> Boy. Oh my goodness! Yeah, we should probably wrap up this episode. Speaking of, so it's not always oh long. long. Oh, this uh, ended up being so long. Well, it's a good conversation. So, what are you gonna do? If so people next, you can always turn it off.
1: <laughs> <See>? <laughs> Fast forward through my parts and get to uh, Andy's. Well, next time we'll uh, jump into sp- Code Name Spitfire number twelve. Jenny's father's personality is programmed into her new Spitfire armor, Max armor for her to succeed in her CIA mission. Oh, it's not so secret anymore. (laughs) She must destroy that program. And with it, the last vestige of her dead father's presence. You (laughs) know,
0: weird, uh, psychological issues dealt with somebody's, puts the VHS tape of her father's AI inside uh, <laughs> she like walks armor. up to
1: it with a magnet goodbye dad <laughs> um written by Len Kaminsky penciled by Javier Salteras, inked by Jim Fern hmm. also code name Spitfire number 12 Spitfire's second mission involves a computer based on her own father well it does sound like we've got this father computer thing going
0: on so we'll see that <laughs> and for you young folks out there the vhs tapes and just much like cassette tapes uh could be ruined by strong magnets <laughs> uh. um, and yeah so so next time next episode we get Starbrand back so that's our bi-monthly but we have Starbrand nine tormented by the death of a young boy he could not save ken call must come to grips with the fact that as great as the star brand of power is, some forces in the universe are even greater. To try and help him through his troubles is Night Mask. Written by Carrie Bates. Uh, illustrated by Keith Giffen. Yay. Hey,
1: I've been um, audited.
0: Dang, IRS. <laughs> nothing more powerful. Uh, short version, Star Brand 9. What if Ken Connell used his powers the way a comic book superhero does? Guess starring Night Mask. So. should be an interesting one crossover time um uh, so as we wrap up of course check out the website kickersinc.com lots of cool giveaways and contests going on on there uh send us your song for the es people at new universe podcast at gmail.com link for that also on the website and we'll see you back at the spinner rack next time